The magic is only in what books say. How they stitch the patches of the universe together into one garment for us. Welcome back to Fahrenheit 452, a podcast about the book Fahrenheit 451. I'm Jack. I'm Miranda. And I'm Kelly. In this podcast, we will be talking about rebellion and how Guy Montag is going against the government. In 1955, an event changed history. One woman refused to give up her seat for a person simply because of her skin color, and her name was Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks refused to let racism be unjust to her. She got arrested for not following the government's rules, but her brave action changed the world for the better. Turn on to Miranda's connection. Even though Rosa Parks was just one person, her actions inspired many other young people to speak up. The Montgomery bus boycott, a boycott that was started because of the injustice towards Rosa Parks, lasted for a year and managed to change laws for everyone. Just like Rosa, Guy Montag has started to rebel against the government and his actions have inspired others. This leads to the theme of rebellion. However, before we get more in depth with that, let's start our second round of 30 second recap to summarize some events. This week's contestants are me and Jack and Miranda is the judge. We'll start with a round of rock, paper, scissors to decide who goes first. Ready? Kelly won. Kelly, are you ready? Yep. Three, two, one, go. It all started when it all started when Guy Montag decided to show his wife his collection of books in the van, and he felt inspired to change. His frustration and anger caused him to go stir crazy, which led to him heading over to an old friend, Professor Faber. Montag made it clear that he no longer supported the way of the government and wanted to learn how to open up his mind. Professor taught Montag that books aren't the source of creativity, they just help with it. Montag goes home and continues to feel frustrated over the fact that everyone is so ignorant, so he randomly shows his wife's friends his books. This leads to him getting arrested by Beatty, which leads to him killing Beatty, and now he is a wanted That's criminal. Okay. Right. So, Jack, are you ready? Okay. Three, two, one, go. Guy had a lot of books, and he did not have anyone to show them to. So he decided to show Mildred, so they could read them and see if they were worthwhile. Mildred did not agree with Guy that books are good, so he decided to go to someone he knew liked, who liked books. This person was a college professor that taught about books. He had to close, since there was a lack of students. This professor's name was Faber. Faber gave Guy earphones that had a microphone and a speaker, so Faber could spy on who Guy is talking to. They came up with a plan to hide books in various places like firehouses and let civilians see them, causing them to uprise. At the end of our reading, Guy was... And that's time. I think the winner is Kelly. Oh, darn. Oh, maybe I'll get you next time. Okay, so are you ready for our discussion of theme? To start things off, uh, I was wondering if the fact that Montag got favor to join his rebellion was heroic, because he did that on page 84, so. I think... Maybe it was kind of heroic because he's trying to change the way people look at books. And as he adds more people to his rebellion, he's going to change like people's minds. And so the more people he adds to his rebellion, the more people or the more the more like the more it'll change. But what do you think about, <clears throat> like, how he did it? Because how he got a favor to join. What do you think about that? Uh, I think he could have done it a little bit better. Instead of, like, threatening, saying, like, I can burn you and your house. I don't remember what page that was on. But... Also 84. Yeah. So I think he could have done it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think, Jeff? So, why Guy rebelled? So, the reason Guy rebelled was so that he can, like, get a better life. And, like, because right now in his, like, little country that he lives in, they don't have a lot of, like, informed people making informed decisions. So, like, their world is basically, like, 100% controlled by the government. Like, whatever the government wants, they basically have to do. So, I think the reason Guy rebelled was so he could change that and maybe, like, give the people who live there a little more, like, ability to make decisions. Because, like, even though they had an election, it didn't really work because all they did was vote on the person who, like, looked the best. Mm-hmm. So, I was thinking that maybe they, like, rigged it so that there's one person that looks amazing that was obviously going to win. And the only opponent was someone, like, a short guy who wasn't, like, saying anything good, basically. No. So- Kelly, um, what do you think about why he risked his life just to read the poetry to Mildred's friends? Well, I think he was being naive and that he was just so frustrated that he kind of boiled over because technically those women were innocent because they were doing what they thought was normal. But Montag already knows that those norms are really ignorant and they got people killed, so he took out his anger on them. On page 112, his boss yells, Montag, you idiot. Montag, you fool. What? Why did you really do it? And Montag kind of just stands there in silence, and he doesn't really have an answer. So I think that even though his silence could have been due to his rebelliousness, I think the main reason why he was quiet was because he didn't really have an answer in the first place. And honestly, these acts that he's been doing reminds me of any kind of failed rebellion. And the first one I can think of off the top of my head is Bacon's Rebellion, mainly because the name is cool. (laughs) Nathaniel Bacon was really naive when he was rebelling, basically, and he attacked innocent people and killed ones that helped him, and he eventually burned down Jamestown, and he wasn't really thinking about the consequences. So even though Montag wasn't to this extreme, he still reminded me of him because Montag lacks the ability to control his emotions, and he hasn't really been thinking about the consequences. Yeah, going off of, um, going off of reading the books and the poetry, on page 95, it's realized that Mildred had a really good recovery when she said Guy was allowed to bring one book. Do you think she wants to join the rebellion as well? Or was she protecting Montag as an act of love? Or did she just want to save herself from embarrassing herself in front of her friends? I think, well, since, like, she doesn't really care about Guy that much because she's always, like, getting mad at him. And, like, it never really showed that they are on, like, true love because of the thing Clarissa did. So I'm thinking that maybe she just didn't want to be embarrassed in front of her friends, and that's what made her come up with the quick thinking of, like, they're allowed to bring one. Um, Kelly, what do you think? Um, I was kind of wondering if she should be added to the rebellion, maybe, because it's clear that she can think fast and that she was trying her best to kind of cover up Montag's actions. And even though it wasn't because she wanted to rebel, she could be useful to the rebellion because she's able to think up of quick lies, so... Do you think this rebellion would be successful? It seems like Montag has been going downhill since Clarice died. I think it could be successful because he'll most likely inspire other people about what they need to do. He could also use the information he knows to inform people about the injustices that the government is doing and that may spark a rebellion. Um, well, in the dystopian novel, The Cabinet of Wonders, the main character has to retrieve her father's eyes from a corrupt prince who stole them and enchanted them. And that she learns along the way that the prince uses those eyes to see the world differently in order to make the inventions that her father can make. 
And when the main character's father lost his eyes, he also lost his abilities to kind of create the things he did. So in Fahrenheit 451, Clarice is kind of like Montag's eyes. So maybe without his eyes, he'll lose his guide and path, which could lead to his unsuccessfulness of like his rebellion. Yeah, I was kind of thinking it may like change a few people's beliefs. And like those people, if it may be successful, if like those people spark other people. But like if those people don't do anything, I'm thinking it might not turn into like a huge thing. But he may just inform a few more people about like what they're doing. But overall, I don't think he'll spark like a huge rebellion because he just doesn't seem like the person to like talk a lot because he's like quiet kind of. Well, before Clarice, he was at least. So I don't know if Clarice changed him enough to become like a full revolution person. So Kelly? Um, well, I agree with that, but I'm kind of wondering, like, for your case, like, why he would become good at convincing people? Like, what would he do, and what evidence do you have from the text? Um, so, I think the reason he might be able to spark a few people is because of his knowledge with Faber, and Faber may be able to help him and tell him, like, what the right things to do to say. And in... Um, Fahrenheit 451, it talked about how Faber gave him this microphone that had that, so he may use that to be able to, like, convince more people about some things that he's doing, and, like, that may spark people, but, like, as I said before, it may not change enough people to actually spark a big rebellion that the government can't handle, because, like, that'd be the only way, like, and more people than the government can handle. So, Miranda, in that case, do you still think he'd be successful, or maybe you'll think he won't be successful, or do you think he'll be kind of half and half? Um, I think it could be go either way, but if he is successful, he'll. I feel like he could only be successful with the help of other people. Yeah. Because on his own, he's kind of crazy in a way, and he needs somebody else to help him out and kind of calm him down. So, Miranda, what does this rebellion mean to you, like, in general? What does... Um, For me, when I think of rebellion, it means, like, going against what the rules are and, like, going against, let's say, going against what your parents say. That's kind of rebelling. You could rebel in a good or bad way, but when I think of rebellion, I think of something bad and you're going against the rules and the right thing. So do you think that uh, Montag's rebellion is bad? Um, I think it's good because he's trying to help people realize that the world that they're living in is not fair and that they should be able to do what they want. Yeah. Going off of that, Jack, what do you think is going to come out of that rebellion? Um, I think he might change a few people's beliefs. As I said before, like, he might change enough people a couple, like, he might hold a big thing to teach a bunch of people about it. But, like, the hard part would be he'd have to keep it away from the government. Because, like, the government does not want him informing people. And they might even kill him. So he's going to have to do this, like, some secretive. And, like, how would you get people to be secretive if they don't even know about it? Like, would you just tell him come down here and, like, hope they, like, just do it? Mm-hmm. Or, like, how do you think he's going to do that, Kelly? Um, well, like Faber said that there are a lot of professors and stuff that are kind of hiding in trains and things. So maybe if they make their way there to where all the runaways and outcasts are, then maybe they'll find other people who are like 
them and will support them. So I think maybe they can just do that by hiding in remote places that the government doesn't look for, so then they can kind of get away with it. Yeah, kind kind of adding on to that, what do you think Guy's trying to accomplish or prove from his rebellion? Um, I think it's clear that he's trying to change society's corruption, but I don't think he's doing it in a great way because he's kind of been openly challenging the government without really knowing how to fight back when they respond. So whenever he finishes you know, an outburst or something, and people come, he kind of is panicky, and sometimes he stops moving, and sometimes he starts moving, and it's just a lot of mess and chaos whenever he's trying to do something. Okay, well now let's go on to our discussion practice. I can relate to Guy Montag. One time, like, I didn't unfair punishment, like, because he was kind of, he can have an unfair punishment when he was like, all he was doing was books. This is kind of the same, except when I was in third grade, somebody wrote a bad thing on a desk. And then for some reason, since people thought it was me, since what they did, they said, if you had any information about who you think it was, then write it on a post-it note. And I just, I thought I knew who it was because like he sat at that desk. So, and everyone else just wrote a question mark because they didn't know. And since I was the only one, she thought I might have been blaming someone. So she thought like I was actually the person. So I ended up missing a whole bunch of recess and getting in like a bunch of trouble and having to go to the principal's office. And this is kind of the same with Guy Montag. Like he's not really doing anything bad. He's just like reading books, but like he could still get punished for doing that. So Miranda, do you have any stories relating to Guy Montag? Yeah, going off of like what you said of how you're not really doing any, he's not doing anything bad, um, and how Guy loses control of his emotion, control of his emotions. Um, a time when I lost control of my emotions is over the summer. My parents were trying to take my phone because they thought I was doing something fishy on it, even though I wasn't. They tried to take my phone and. I tried taking the phone from my dad when he took it from me, and it all got out of control, and there was a lot of yelling and crying. I ran and locked myself in the bathroom, and my parents said they would pull me out of dance if I didn't come out of the bathroom. So when I eventually did come out of the bathroom, my parents went through my phone in front of me, and they found an app that is like TikTok. I'm not allowed to have any social media, so since I had the app and I broke their rules, they got me for three days. Even though they knew I had the app, they just didn't remember that they downloaded it for me. And so... That was kind of relating to Guy because my parents knew that they that I had the app and like I lost control of my emotions just like Guy did and he does and how it's not fair that I had to get in trouble because I didn't do anything wrong. Kelly, do you have any other stories relating to Guy? Um, well, I don't really have any stories relating to Guy himself. But I was, I had a few questions in general. Like, I was kind of wondering how Beatty knows all the codes. Because he and Montag got into a fight, right? So because of the whole outburst and, well, that was actually before the outburst where Beatty was kind of indirectly fighting by telling uh, Montag about his dream where they were fighting. So I was kind of wondering where Beatty got all that information. Like, where did he get all those quotes? So, like, it's on page 102, and basically, BD is quoting a lot of, I think the reason why he's able to quote all this is, like, maybe in the government, you have to be informed so that you know everything, like, like, BD had to explain to Guy what they're doing, and maybe the only way to do that is to, like, read books himself, 
So I'm kind of thinking on 102. He was just kind of quoting stuff just to like, like this is part, the reason he reads books is so we can like show guy why they're bad. So like this quote debate that he kind of had. I mean, I'm wondering if he like secretly reads books or maybe he subconsciously likes them because he's probably read them before, which is why he has all these quotes. But I, he went out loud. He always talks about how much he hates books, but he literally dreamt about a bunch of quotes. So maybe his brain secretly likes them, but he doesn't really like showing that he likes them because it's technically against the law. Yeah, I think I think that too. I also think that maybe like how guys in this phase of liking books and trying to rebel against the government, maybe. Um, BD, even though he didn't rebel against the government, maybe he did have an interest in them because in earlier in the book he said all firemen get curious. And so maybe he was kind of talking about himself, like I was curious just like you, mm-hmm. but he didn't really like books. Or maybe he didn't, but he's just trying to tell Guy they're not good, don't read them. Um, so... Like, yeah, so, like, do you think he was secretly reading it? Um, like. I agree with Miranda. I think at one point he was curious about them, so he read a lot to see if he could find any good in them, and then he kind of just didn't like them, so he assumed that for anyone that read books, it would just be a phase like his was. Yeah, that's that's good thinking. Speaking of books, at page 106, they're at Guy's house. Do you think they found the books that he hid? Yeah, because he hid them in the bushes, so I was kind of wondering if someone found them, called to him, or I was, like, if it was that, or if Captain Beatty just drove to his house to, like, see how scared Guy would be, so that, like, kind of intimidate Guy to make him not want to read books, like, that feeling, not want to do anything. Yeah, I think that when they showed up at his house, um, maybe Guy's wife Mildred and her friends kind of the friends probably maybe turned him in because they were all pretty seem they all seemed pretty frustrated that he read the book and um so it just seems a little bit suspicious like oh he just read this book to these people they're upset about it and now they're coming to his house to burn it down yeah but I'm wondering about how early um Beatty was able to find out that guy had books because it said that earlier he had sent a hound, right, a mechanical hound, to his house. But that scene was when Montag first showed Mildred his books. Like, he pulled them out of the vent, he started reading them to her, and then she heard knocking, right? And then she's like, what is that sound? And she goes there, and it's only just a dog. But wasn't that when the mechanical hound came? So wasn't that a long time ago before he even went to Faber and stuff? Yeah, but I mean... Beatty could have probably been suspicious about, like, well, if he wants to read one book, why wouldn't he want to read 20 other books? Mm-hmm. And um, so maybe he's just like, we'll just keep the hound here to keep an eye on him. Yeah, maybe. And, like, if we, after a while, we'll kind of just take away, but if we find anything suspicious, we'll, like, come to his house. Yeah, because there was a scene where Beatty walked in, or... Guy walked in and he saw the hound just in his kennel, so it has to be before that. And I think that's a good question. Yeah.
I think Miranda's right. I agree with Miranda that he probably just was suspicious of Montag, but he didn't really know for sure if Montag was reading a lot of books, so he just sent the hound there to, like, spy. Because, after all, if the hound can detect a bunch of spells, maybe it can also listen to what someone's saying. So maybe it just stood there outside the door and kind of listened to uh, Montag read. I was also thinking, like, that maybe the first-time guy took a book, like, about a year ago. Maybe he was not as sneaky as he thought it was, mm. and Beatty saw that, but he was just saving it for later. Yeah. So. I mean, it does feel like Beatty kind of had his argument already planned out when he started yelling at Montag. It's like he's kind of been thinking this out for a while because he uses specific things that are targeted towards Montag, saying like, oh, now you've found books and you think you're the god of everything by quoting them. And like, I don't know, I feel like he's just been kind of thinking out what he would say to Montag if Montag ever started being open about his liking of books. I think those are all good questions. But we should move on to literary elements. Yeah, when it comes to literary elements, I think one of Bradbury's strongest points would be illusions because he has plenty of them and they really give the readers more depth and a deeper understanding of what points he's trying to make. Um, for example, on page 107, uh, Bradbury writes, Well, said Beatty, now you did it. Old Montag wanted to fly near the sun and now he's burnt his wings and he wonders why. This is an illusion that is alluding towards Icarus? Icarus? I have no idea how to pronounce his name. But basically, there was this one father and a son who were trying to f escape from this place. So the father built these wings of wax and feathers. And he warned his son to not go too close to the actual sun because the wax would melt and he would fall. But his son was too naive and he just really was fascinated and captivated by this fact and he just flew towards the sun until his wings melted and then he ended up dying and i think this was trying to show how naive montag was and how he was kind of overconfident and he was really open about all his views and that he has kind of melted from Beatty. so what literary elements did you think were good, Jack? So, on page 89, there's a simile that says, Miss Bells came through the front door and vanished into the volcano's mouth with martinis in hand. What do you kind of think that simile means? Um, metaphor. I was like, that's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. I think... Oh, okay. do you want to go? Okay, I'm thinking that maybe... He's kind of implying, Bradbury's implying that that place that they went into is dangerous because that's why they said volcanoes now. Because, like, the rest of the sentence seems pretty normal. Someone came through the front door and they had martinis. But using, adding on, like, volcano's mouth kind of makes it seem more eerie or dangerous or, like, you go in there and you won't come out kind of thing. Yeah. Going, um... I saw a metaphor at the top of page 100. It says, um, tending their peanut brittle bones. So what do you guys think, like, 
what does that have to do with everything that's happening? What do you guys think that means? So, before that, they were talking about old men who stay home tending their peanut, peanut brittle bones. So, I think they're talking to the old men's bones. And, like, as you get older, I know, like, they get more, like, peanut brittle is very, like, you can just break it, kind of. So, like, they're very easy to break. So, they're referring to, like, the bones of old men. I was thinking they might not have been referring to literal bones. Maybe a lot, since a lot of the older people seem to be, like, wiser because they've lived through the time when learning was still a thing. I think maybe they're trying to point out how cowardly the old men are. Like, you know, they're just staying at home and they're kind of withering away. I think that's what Bradbury's trying to say. Instead of they literally have weak bones that they have to take care of. Which is also true, but I don't think that was the point of it. Yeah. So, on page 93, there is a, they discuss voting. For people like um, Mildred's friends are basically discussing how they vote and like they're saying they basically do it for people based on like what they look like because they're saying there's a dude who looked better so they basically that's why they voted for him. Miranda how do you think this has to do with like them making less informed decisions? Um, I think it's because they don't like research the people or not research but they don't know who they're voting for. I think it just kind of shows that they're not very smart and they just kind of go along with what everybody says and what everybody thinks and they don't kind of research or dig into what they're doing. Um, I also thought this was weird on page 92. It said um, that I plunked the children in school nine days out of ten. I put them... I put up with them when they come home three days a month. It's not bad at all. I thought that was just a little bit weird. Like, they only get to see their children three days in a month. And it's like, why would you have children if you don't want to see them? Yeah, I was thinking that was weird too. But I think that's what's considered normal in the society. So what they think what they're doing is like what every woman does. But I think it's wrong and they just don't realize that since they've grown up in it, they've lived in it like maybe when they were younger their parents also kind of was like oh we only have to see you for three days um we're happy about that so they've just learned that they should also be happy to see their kids only three days for a whole month yeah i also thought in that sentence it says i punked the children in school nine days out of ten like there's only seven days in a week well yeah but there's three times in a month so i think the reason they're just like getting rid of the children and so they don't have to deal with them and i was also thinking that the reason they have children is to just keep the species alive yeah like and like that's the only reason they don't really care about them they just want to keep the species alive um do you guys think that the species of human in this society will eventually go extinct at the rate that they keep like you know killing people well for fun that kind of stuff um, I think it could, but if guy starts the rebellion, um, and it succeeds, I think that it might keep going. But at this rate, I think it could end. Yeah, um, because if they're not making informed decisions, they're probably not gonna make very good decisions. And like, if they don't make good decisions, they're probably not gonna live very long. So I think they'll definitely go extinct, like Miranda said. Um. 
I really like the suspense that he uses, like this feeling of not knowing whether or not something is going to happen. Because I feel like, I know I'm kind of moving back into literary elements again, but if you can see between the transitions between each section, that he's really good with these kinds of suspenseful sentences. Like, for example, before we get to section three, Montag says, oh, why, said Montag slowly, we've stopped in front of my house. Like, because then it's it gives the reader the sense of kind of confusion or what's happening or what's going to happen next. How did Beatty find out about this? Is Montag going to die? Is the story going to end here? So I feel like he kind of gives the reader like a good sitting on the edge of their seat feeling. He also does that with the transition to uh, part two, if I can find that. <laughs> While you're finding it, I really think he did a good job like keeping everyone suspenseful and like wanting to read a book. Mm-hmm. Like that might have been, I think, new back then, mm-hmm. but like he kind of started it. Maybe. Yeah, he's really good with suspense. That's one of his strengths when it comes to all the literary elements. Like, for example, I found the part transition from part one to part two. And he says, here now, said Montag, we'll start over again at the beginning. And I feel like this kind of gives a different suspense because most people think mystery when they think suspense. But I feel like this suspense is kind of hopefulness. Like the reader thinks, well, maybe he can convert his wife and that kind of stuff. Well, now we learn that he doesn't. But it just gives readers a hope that leaves them on the edge, just like any other suspense scene would. So, Yeah, it's almost kind of like an action movie, the way mm-hmm. he has so much suspense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, on page 84, Guy is talking to Faber and telling him that he can almost burn him. Do you think that, like, since he said that, does he have, like, a bad side that can be activated when something is brought up? Mm-hmm. I think if, if something he strongly believes in and... Like, because he really wanted Faber's help with um, the books, and it didn't really seem like at first, it seemed kind of like Faber was like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to help you. And Guy really was, like, interested in books. And so I think since if it's something he's really interested in, that he will want to, he will get upset if something gets in his way. Um... I think that, yeah, I think that's, I agree with that. I think um, he's kind of manipulative. And I think in a way, he doesn't truly care all too much about books themselves. Because, you know, if you were like Faber and you really, really had a passion for books and you cared about them a lot, well, then, like Faber said, he'd give his right arm for that book, which was the Bible, and it was the last one. But Montag used it to manipulate Faber into being his partner. Like, he kept ripping out the pages and crumpling them up, even though he knew how valuable and important those pages were. So I don't think at that time he was that concerned about saving the book. He just wanted to use the book to his advantage, so. Yeah. On page 91, they were discussing um, the war and seeing, like, they said, be independent, he always said. He said, if I get killed off, you just go right ahead and don't cry, but get married again and don't think of me. I thought this was a little weird. Like, there's, it seems like, like, in the beginning, we thought Guy doesn't really love Mildred, and it's just kind of like the government is forcing people. And I thought this sentence was a little bit odd. Like, you just get married to get married. And um, so I was wondering... 
why does it seem like he why does it seem like the author is always yeah so i think the author put this in because they really wanted to show like how many like this the difference in the society like how people in this society don't really care who dies and like marriage is just like for looks and like how they're so not informed and like they don't really care about the war and like the war is just so it's happened so much that like at this point dying just doesn't even matter yeah i agree with that i think i mean just life in general doesn't really matter to these people because when we are encountering like a death they basically say that they just burned the person you know you forget them you just burned them and they're gone so i think that these people kind of just think of life as something fun as something adventurous but they've taken it too far because what they think is fun is you know killing people they think that's fun they don't think of it as something that's like what we think of it now as something horrible and you should be punished for it they think it's actually something fun and you should be punished for being slow or taking your time so I almost think of it like it's a sport, like baseball. Yeah. So I kind of think of it as a game. So that is about all we have time for today. Stay mm-hmm. tuned for our next podcast. Fahrenheit 452, signing off. See you later. Bye.